We're sisters, best friends, and authors on a mission to help you stoke your creative fire and live the life of your dreams. We believe that purpose fuels passion and that creativity is your secret weapon for mass construction. There's never been a better time to bless the world with your dream realized. You're listening to The Kate and Abby Show. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of The Kate and Abby Show. This is episode 30. Stoked to be here with you. A lot of you guys are in the midst of National Novel Writing Month. Comment below if you're watching on YouTube and tell us how that's going. What are you writing a book about? How's it going? We would love to hear from you. Abby's doing NaNoWriMo. Yep. How's your book going? It's coming. I've fallen behind, actually, because I haven't written in a couple of days, which which feels really weird because I'm always like just shutting off the world and writing in the month of November. But this month has been busier than most, so... I've been trying to Now is there like time. some kind of magic number for if you're trying to stay on the word count for 50,000 words that you have to do? The magic number uh if you wrote every single day is 1,667 words a day and hmm. if you like miss a couple days that number gradually gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> Mine is up to like 1,900 actually, a day. I was impressed when you mentioned now. something about that the other day. Mm. I thought it was more for some reason. I'm like, wow, that's not a lot. So that means if, mm. you, if you're writing that every day, you're writing for like 50,000 words a month. I'm like, huh? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of, I think some people have been confused because I've got people ask me like, so how's your nano novel going? And I'm like, no, nah, I just talk about other people doing NaNoWriMo and You have been writing a lot on. though. I, I don't, like, I don't participate You've myself. been writing more than I have this month, I feel. Yeah. I've been writing a lot. Like I've been writing a lot lately. So even though I'm not officially participating in NaNoWriMo, I've been writing a ton. Like, um... The day before yesterday, I had a fourth, like almost 4,000 word day, which was nice. Wow. And I was remembering, like I, I was looked at the word count um, and I was like, wow, that's, I, I wrote a lot. And um, then I was thinking about, I remember a book I was writing when I was like 18, having a 9,000 word day. And I was like, wow, where what happened to that, man? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's crazy. I used to write like insane amounts of words. Yeah. So we hope your nano novel's going good if you're uh, if you're participating in nano. And today we have a cool topic. Um, this is something that we think is going to be very um, a, a soothing balm to some of your souls. And that is, we're going to decipher and break down what imposter syndrome is. And imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. I think a lot of writers struggle with this. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of writers in the the online writing sphere talk about like, oh, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome writing my novel. So like to you, what does, what does imposter syndrome mean? I feel like there's a couple variations of imposter syndrome. I feel like there's the imposter syndrome of when you are just starting out something or you don't have a lot of experience in it and it's not necessarily public, so it's not necessarily something that the world is looking at yet. It could just be you alone in your house creating a thing, whether it's a book, a screenplay, a web comic, whatever it is, and feeling like I'm not qualified to do this, just having this sense of insecurity and intimidation surrounding the thing you're trying to do before anybody even sees it or looks at it or tells you that you're not qualified. So it's kind of like a self-talk thing. Um, 
so that's like one type of imposter syndrome, I feel, is like the the beginner at something or just you've been doing it for a while, but nobody's really seen it yet. Right. Yet you still feel like an imposter doing it even in the privacy of your own home. Um, whereas the second type of imposter syndrome, in my opinion, is when you publish something or something becomes more public like you put it out in the world and you start getting feedback and people start consuming it reading it and giving you feedback on it even if they love it sometimes that can be like the worst (laughs) that can trigger like the worst feelings because they start loving it and saying really good things about it and you start feeling like oh my gosh like, am I really that good? Like, is this really, are they being nice to me just to be nice to me? Or is this really a good thing? Or just feeling like I'm not qualified to be here or to receive or this like, praise. Yeah, yeah. Or you're kind of thinking like low grade, like, I know you love it, but you wouldn't if you knew that I'm really not a writer. I'm just yeah. fooling everyone. Yeah, it's like you feel like you're <laughs> fooling people into into reading right. your thing. Like you're some like somehow there's these mystical qualifications that you've yet to meet right. and you've sec- secretly surpassed those qualifications. You don't have them and people don't know about it. It's like this fantasy thing that doesn't exi- right. exist, but yet we're so we're scared because we don't have it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that a lot of people um, have a false idea of what others in your field are really like as far as their qualifications. Like, I remember seeing something about imposter syndrome a while ago that was like, you know, you can get rid of imposter, you can get rid of imposter syndrome immediately if you just think of it like everybody's an imposter (laughs) like they're all just guessing their way through this and I thought that's actually really true because usually the person next to you has the same kind of qualifications as you or less and even if they have more technical qualifications um, it doesn't necessarily make them better than you right and the thing is too is that there's really no qualifications to be a writer right like period exclamation mark right um but I feel like, like when, there's... But like, it, I'm sorry, like, isn't it kind of rooted, that idea in looking at writing as more of an industry than an art? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you can get qualified to do this. Like becoming a doctor or an astronaut. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. It's an art. Right. Did anyone qualify Picasso to paint? Did anyone qualify uh, Renoir to paint? No, they didn't. Did anyone qualify Van Gogh to paint? No. So... Why do we look at writing as, you know, some like this, oh, it's sort of an art, but it's also like an industry. Well, right. you know, it's, if it's looked at as more of an art than anyone can do it, then a child can do it. Some of the best writing that we've seen surface are from people who are highly, quote unquote, unqualified to be writers. You know, children writing things, um, people you would never expect to write something, who have never written something and they write one thing and it's like this international bestseller and everyone wants to read it because it's so important. Things that are historically important are written by people who are quote unquote unqualified, unqualified to be writers. So I think we have to really back away from this idea that it's like this um, cool person club that we don't have a pass to get into. <laughs> It's an art form that anyone can participate in, and it's a privilege to participate in the art form. Yeah, 
Exactly. Um, and I feel like everybody from really any field that's usually it only shows up in the arts, honestly, <laughs> whether it's performing arts or music or um, writing, anything really, um, is that a lot of it comes when you get recognition, even if it's just popular, um, like popularity or people liking what you're producing. Um, and you feel like, am I just fooling them into doing that? Like I felt this way about, um, hundred days of sunlight for a little while when I first published it. And I was in like the ARC copy stage, the advanced reader copy stage, sending out ARCs to advanced readers. And I got a lot of ARC requests for the book and had a lot of good reviews coming in. And as I saw them coming in, I was like, I'm conning all these people into reading my book, which is <laughs> so dumb. Like, I, I'm, I'm not conning them into doing anything. Like, I put the book out there. I poured my heart and soul into it. I wrote a great description. No shame. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. That, that caught people's attention and got them interested in the book. They read the book. They liked the book. And honestly, it sounds weird, but I didn't think that as much about... I don't think I ever thought about it actually, in regards to negative reviews. I only thought about it in good reviews, That's which so is so funny. weird. But like, I just got this feeling of like, I'm fooling all these people into like spending their time reading my book, which is ridiculous because they chose to read the book because they thought that they would like it, obviously. Um, and it's it's just a really weird dynamic. But I think that the one of the things I've found that really helped me to get past that is to think of it in terms of everybody feels like this at some time yeah. or another when you start to get recognition or you start to just see a good response or any response to what you're creating. Um, you have just as much right to be in this game as anybody else in the game, especially if you are putting in the work and you're working hard on this and you're doing your best, then you absolutely are 100% qualified and should be here doing this. Right. You know? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and like I thought Neil Gaiman said it really great in um, his commencement speech. That's like a really popular YouTube video. If you've never heard it, a lot of you have, I'm sure. But yeah, if you haven't, go look it up. It's so inspirational. But he, he talks about imposter syndrome and how... And, you know, this is someone who's written best-selling books. And he's like, oh, I always... You know, he refers to it as the fraud police coming to get him and be like, nope, you're not a writer. You can't do this anymore. And how it's like in your imagination, you sort of imagine the scenario of like, oh, it's only a matter of time till I find out sort of thing. And that you're right on in that we need to see that there aren't any, there, there's nothing keeping us out of this where we're supposed to be here. Everyone is qualified to be here. Everyone has something to bring to the table. And there isn't this standard that we need to measure up to. When you walk around an art museum, you see a ton, a huge variety of art, all different kinds, statues, sculptures, different types of paintings, different styles of paintings. You, no one would ever single out a certain style and be like, that doesn't belong here. That's not art. Right. It's the same with writing. It's the same with writing. You can't look at an art form that's so incredibly diverse and try to make this one standard or one qualification for it. Everyone's 
everyone has something to say. Everyone has something to bring to the table. Right. This is an art form. So the I think the what I'm kind of trying to say here is that the imposter syndrome is based on there being this standard sort of. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't be an imposter because it's not like you have to meet this certain criteria. Right. And I'm certainly not saying for anyone listening who who perhaps like went to school and got a degree in uh, journalism or creative writing or something like that. Um, that's uh, everyone has different journey. Every every writer has a different journey. So I'm not saying that like, oh, do these qualifications not matter? They matter to you because that was part of your journey. But there is no qualification to be a writer in general. Everyone can come to this table. Everyone who is writing is a writer. It has nothing to do with credentials gained anywhere. If you gained credentials for something that's important to you, then that's part of your personal journey, but it's not part of the art form itself. Right. It's just it's just the pathway you took to come to this art form because of your own personal experience, which is great for you as an individual. But everyone arrives to the art form from a different path. All paths are legitimate. Yeah, and if, Be- if, because if two you, writers, if all the writers were exactly the same, then we wouldn't want to read anything. Right, basically, right, exactly. Basically, the paths that lead to the art form are not the art form itself. Yeah. I know that sounds a little bit like, woo, but yeah, it... No, I get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, while you might be like, well, I gained this qualification to be a writer, and well, that's important to your personal journey. Right. But it's it's the art form transcends all of it. Yeah. There is no qualifications to take part in the art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, take an example of, like, talent shows, especially, like, singing talent shows. Um, I always think about how usually the best, most viral videos from like America's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent or The Voice even is like the person who's the least qualified, (laughs) who does not have a background in singing, who never took voice lessons, who just loves it, just loves singing and is great at it, is so brilliant in fact that the crowd is on its feet back when we used to have crowds and everybody loves it and it goes viral on YouTube and it's like that's why people can connect with that and can universally be like that's so cool because that person was so in love with their art that they completely just transcended the qualification part and became qualified through their love of it right and you see that time and time again and um Usually on on singing talent shows, you don't ever see somebody who's like, well, I went to this uh, voice school for this amount of years and I, right. you know, sang this, these events. Well, sometimes you see that, but not often. Usually like the, the really talented people are the people who you can tell that they kind of feel like imposters, you know, mm-hmm. especially when they get uh, when they get praise and they get recognition and um, they're like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm doing this because it's like we almost don't dare to dream about certain things for ourselves because we feel like we have to go through step one, step two, step three to get there. Right. And we rarely ask ourselves the question, who put step one, step two, step three there? Yeah. 
because if we go back far enough, there were no steps. Yeah. Like one person decided that at one point in history. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You're never going to meet them. So why do you respect their decision so much? (laughs) Right. And and the thing is, we live in a, a day and age and being an incredibly free spirited person, I embrace this fully where we have more opportunities to connect and express our art forms and share them with the world than ever. We can do that mindfully. And we don't have any borders that we create. That's a really foolish action because there's no reason to create them when we've kind of surpassed needing to have those borders there. Like before the internet, when you would have to like go to a publisher and be like, oh, well, you know, I went to school for this many years and I have this degree and um, here's why you should hire me. Here's why I should write for you. Here's why you should publish my book. We we no longer live in that time period. And um, as I said earlier, everyone has a different journey. So I'm certainly not like saying like, oh, this path is better than this path. Everyone arrives differently, but there are no borders there are no like, oh, you have to take that path. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you see you see the, um, the evidence to that all the time with so many people. That's why I think it's really important to have, um, have role models in whatever art it is you're pursuing, not to copy them or to hope to be just like them because you won't ever be. You can only be yourself and there's something special for you on your path. But to look at that as proof and be like, hey, if they could do it, so can I. Especially right. people who are like, it, it was unlikely that they could make it and they made it. Um, and that's so inspiring because that means anybody can, you included. Um, and I think that really helps to keep the imposter syndrome at bay because you see other people who have either overcome that or decided that they were not going to be intimidated or feel insecure about themselves at all um, early on, which is difficult for sure. I mean, that's a constant practice. That's something that you have to practice and catch yourself when you find that you're, you know, either saying things to yourself in your head or even out loud that are negative or um, from insecurity. And it's a practice. So definitely don't get upset at yourself or frustrated when you're like, oh, I wish I could, you know, not say this about myself anymore. Like, it's, it's a practice. So it's, it's the process of rebuilding a habit. It's all it really is. So if you have a bad habit of talking yourself down, just keep putting in the positive talk, keep putting in success stories, victory, the sense of success and optimism that you know that you deserve yeah absolutely and instead of asking yourself why me ask yourself why not me yeah because when it comes down to it you're the one who had this idea this idea was given to you it was birthed from you you're the one carrying this story around inside of you every day every night It's with you. It's trusting you to write it. So you should write this story because you're the one carrying it around inside of you. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) It's as simple as that. And you know what? Drop all the constructs and the the beliefs and the... um, 
all the labels we place on things is just, ugh. Let's just drop all that stuff and get back to you and your writing. Put the blinders on, like you were just saying. And why does it matter to you? Yeah, why does it matter to you? That's the question that I always tell writers to ask themselves, especially if they're getting discouraged, feeling like maybe my book's not that unique, maybe it's right. not that interesting to people. Yeah. Well, don't think about any of that. Just right. think about why does it matter to you? And I don't care if you have to sit there for an hour with a notebook and just write until you figure it out. But if you keep asking yourself that question, why, why, why about everything, but also about why your book matters, I think that's really important, obviously, because my whole channel is about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was literally just about to say to you like, oh, your book, but, your story mattering, that you should talk yeah. about that on your YouTube channel sometime. Yeah, sometime maybe I will. <laughs> Still have to make a video about that. Um but I, I mean, I I know it's kind of a cliche with me. It's kind of like a private joke <laughs> for all my um my Writers Life Wednesday people that they always comment and, and make uh, funny comments about my my hammering home this point so much. Why does it matter? Why does but, it matter? <laughs> see, I say this for a reason because if you know why it matters to you then you also know why it will matter to somebody like you or somebody who is yet to go on a journey similar to yours. Um, so like when I always talk about theme and stuff, I mean, I won't get off on this tirade, but when I always talk about theme and writing story truths, um, that you, you kind of have to think about it like, okay, I had this aha moment. I had this personal realization that I want to write into this story for the person out there who is like me before I had that realization, what would I say to them if I could sit down across from them and say something to them? Uh, or what if the whole world stopped to listen? What would I say? When you start asking yourself these, self these questions and even using them as journal prompts, you'll come up with some really amazing answers that will be so important to you that it will just, it won't even matter what people think or say or the imposter syndrome. None of that will even occur to you while you're writing because you'll be so invested, personally invested in your story because it matters so much to you that you won't even have time to get distracted on other little insecurities or doubts. Right, because you, know? you have something fueling you forward. Right. Yeah, you have a purpose with this story. Right. Usually I feel like our Purpose fuels passion. Yeah, purpose fuels passion. Fashion. Wow. <laughs> That's okay, too. The designers out there are like, yeah. Purpose should fuel fashion. It should. As well. Yep. It should. <laughs> I'm all for functional, um, practical clothes. Yeah. But yeah, purpose fuels passion. That's not just the fun jingle at the beginning of this show. That <laughs> We believe that. Yeah. Because if you have a purpose, that's what you're funneling into your writing. And that's ultimately what your readers are going to pick up. Like the story behind the story, the thing behind the thing. What they're, they're, They can smell it. They can taste it when they're reading your book. That there's a deeper meaning. There's a personal connection behind this book. And you even see readers say that when they really love a book they're like you know I could feel that this was so personal to the author mm. and that's something that you can't make up yeah that has yeah. to really be there yeah and I think that's like with the raw talent the love for the thing 
Um, I don't even like to use the word talent a lot because a lot of people are like, oh, am I talented? And then that like sets off a whole chain reaction of all these <laughs> self-doubting thoughts. So don't even go there. Just think, do you love it? Okay. Do you love it? Yeah. Most people who love a thing, that was like my point with the singing thing is like, for instance, I love to sing. I never took voice lessons. I think I'm a pretty good singer. I'm getting, I'm getting better all the time, obviously, but I don't like take it so seriously to the degree of like, oh, I have to sing and take these many, you know, practice this much. And I love it. And I know that I've improved my singing because I love it. Um, and a lot of times I'll like take a song that's uh, really difficult for me to sing personally. And if I like the song, I'm, I'm like, I'm just going to keep singing this song badly <laughs> until one day I sing it great. Because I know that if I keep singing over and over and over again, it will one day be perfect. Right. You know, if I can like make my voice go to those different, uh, to that pitch. But most of them I can. <laughs> but even then, I mean, I've been able to uh, access certain pitch that I wasn't able to in the past. So it's like, it's a matter of practice. Right. Right. The time, 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 just doing it over and over again. And if you love something, you will commit the time to it. You will do it over and over again. Right. Until it is great. And that's what makes your writers writing. Yeah. Writing exactly. and writing and writing. If you stop mm -hmm. now and you're like, oh, I'm not talented. Oh, I'm not good. Oh, I feel like an imposter. Then you're never going to get to that place you want to get to where you're writing and enjoying yourself because you allowed the negative voices in your head to just get the better of you and stop yeah. you in your tracks. So if you just keep going and going, if you want to get to a certain place where you're like, oh, I want to read back over my writing and feel like, wow, dang, that was really good. You'll get there. You just have to keep going and going and going. Just like you said, you know, right. it's the practice. It's the daily practice yeah. that helps you to manifest that into your writing. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think we've gone over some pretty good tips for those of us who are experiencing imposter syndrome imposter syndrome and uh we hope this helps you to you know kick that G give it the boot watch it go flying over the hills and into uh, oblivion fading from the borders of your imagination so that you can write your book and write it well because you have that story for a reason you're meant to write that story drop the labels drop the struggle yeah. write your book and have fun with it if you like this episode, it always means a lot when you give us a nice rating or a thumbs up. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to my channel so you won't miss the next episode of the podcast, which is youtube.com slash if you're listening on Spotify or some other platform. Also check out Abby's YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Abby Emmons. And if you want to support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash the Kate and Abby show. You can support us there. But as always, sharing the video or, or the podcast with a friend is one of the best ways to support the show. We so appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you got a ton out of this one. Until the next time, stay stoked and rock on. Rock on.